Well, um, many of us remember when Franklin Graham, the son of Billy and Ruth Graham, was rebelling against the Lord in his youth, that it was a very, very difficult time on his parents. It was extraordinarily hard for them. And during that time, his mother Ruth said she found herself torn apart by worry. I want you to listen to what she said happened one night. She said one night a current of fear surged through her like an electric shock. She lay in bed and tried to pray, but she suffered from galloping anxiety. One fear piling up upon another. It was around three o'clock in the morning. She was exhausted, yet she knew she would be unable to go back to sleep. What a way to describe worry. Galloping anxiety. One fear piling up upon another. I wonder this morning, have you ever been paralyzed by fear like that? Fear for your family, for your marriage, for your health, for your future. I want you to listen to this for just a moment. Listen to what this says is true of many of us. Half of all people will have at least one serious mental disorder during their lifetime, according to the National Institute of Mental Health. And nearly one in three will experience a significant mental problem, such as depression, phobia, panic disorder, or anxiety in any given year. So think about that. If we are just a typical group of people this morning, and I know we're atypical because we believe in the Lord Jesus, but if we were a typical group, one-third of us will have a significant mental struggle this year. How did Ruth Graham overcome her anxiety and worry at 3 o'clock in the morning? And how do we overcome it? Well, she turned to the very verses that I want us to look at this morning, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And what she discovered is what is true for all of us who know the Lord. This is God's prescription for personal peace. And the doctor of our souls gives us two orders to follow, making it very, very clear for us. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there and let me read for you these two very, very significant verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what the Lord says to us as he shares with us these simple prescriptions for dealing with worry and anxiety in our life. Notice the very first one. Be encouraged. Because verse 7 tells us that God promises to guard us with 
peace. It's very interesting, this phrase here, the peace of God, which we read so often in this verse. This is the only place that this exact phrase occurs in the Bible. Now, the idea obviously occurs all over the Bible, but the exact phrase only occurs here. So, this is a very, very special passage that calls attention to a very special promise from God. Now, as a Roman colony, the cult of the emperor was very, very strong in the city of Philippi. You may well know that Caesar was called Lord and Savior. And oaths at public events were required to be taken to Caesar. Very much like Heil Hitler, only in this case, Heil Caesar, Lord and Savior. And Christians obviously could not take that oath because they believe that Christ Jesus is Lord and Savior. Amen this morning? Now there were many, many retired soldiers living in a city like Philippi, and they were fiercely loyal to the emperor. So imagine the many multiplied fears that these Philippian Christians would have had. Fears of disapproval, of anger, of vandalism to their homes, of imprisonment for being disloyal to the state, of physical violence, of job loss, of threats of death, and death itself. And so just what was God promising to the Philippians, and what is he promising to you and to me? Well, this little word guard is a very significant word. God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It is actually a military word. And what's significant about the city of Philippi is it was guarded by a Roman garrison. So this image to the Philippian Christians living under this kind of pressure was a fantastic image. And brothers and sisters, it's a fantastic image for you and for me as well. Listen to how one Bible teacher describes what this means. Together these words refer to the entire inner being of the Christian. His emotions affections, thoughts, and moral choices. This inner part of a person, then, so vulnerable to attack by the enemy, is that which God's peace is set like battle-ready soldiers to protect. How would you feel if your house was surrounded by soldiers who were ready to protect you from all intruders, how safe would you feel? You see, that's what we have in Christ. 
That's what we have because we know Jesus as our Savior. We have a peace that God alone can produce that keeps out anxious thoughts and worries. In fact, it's such a wonderful thing. You can't fully explain it. Because he says here, this peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. It's an interesting phrase. It literally means it rises above all mind. The peace of God rises above all mind. The New English Bible translates it this way. It is of far more worth than human reasoning when rational, human rational explanations cannot give you peace because you cannot understand what it is you are facing. God's peace still meets our need. What an incredible gift. Now Ruth Graham found this that night at 3 a.m. in the morning in the midst of her galloping anxiety. She turned on the light. She got out her Bible. And the first verses she read were Philippians 4, 6, and seven. And what was it that Mrs. Graham saw in this text that gave her peace when fears were piling up one after another? Well, here's the second prescription from the one we know as the doctor of our souls. And that is we have to be obedient. We have to meet the conditions for peace. As I read verse 7, a question comes to my mind, what keeps the guard on duty? Guards have to be kept on duty, right? They have to be housed, they have to be clothed, they have to be fed in order to stay on duty. And the peace of God will not stay on duty in our hearts and our minds unless we meet the conditions. And so, what are those conditions? It's the difference between dealing with worry and anxiety and being overcome by it. And I want you to notice that Paul says that there are two of them. Here's the first one. Obey the command not to worry. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, does somebody here this morning say to me, Pastor Brian, this command seems to mock me. Don't we want to respond to this? If you only knew. If you understood the pressures that I was under, you wouldn't give me a command that, quite frankly, I don't think I can do. 
One of my favorite Bible teachers is Donald Carson, and he puts it right on the money here as to how many of us feel when we read a command like this. Listen to what he says. Then, of course, we can add in the regular parade of pressures. Car troubles, conflict with colleagues at work, impending exams, and the expectations that family and friends impose, competition at work, a degenerating family, an arid marriage, a rebellious teenager, bereavement, financial insecurity, pressures mount and surround us and bully us until even the Christian who hears the injunction of this passage, do not be anxious for anything, smiles half bitterly and mutters, you don't understand, it can't be done. Don't tell me when I'm worrying to stop worrying, right? And so, how do we deal with this command? It is seemingly impossible to us. Here's the key to this passage. What is commanded here is also provided. The rest of verse 6 tells us how not to be anxious. So brothers and sisters, this command does not mock us. Instead, it helps us. Here is how we find grace and strength to keep the guard of God's peace on duty and here's the second thing that Paul says we have to obey. Obey the conditions to overcome worry. Now, here's the very helpful thing. When we focus on the conditions, then the command becomes much more manageable. While we will never obey the command perfectly, when we obey the conditions, they will help us much, much better than the person who doesn't know the Lord. So what are these conditions then for overcoming worry? Well, Paul uses three words here. And each word tells us what it is God has provided us with to keep the guard of his peace on duty. And so here's what they are, all right? Here's the first one. Time with God. And what do we call that? We call that worship. Notice verse 6 says, here's how you do that in everything by prayer. Now, it's interesting, this is a unique word for prayer. It is the general word for prayer, and it's a reference to the believer's approach to God. It means to pray toward, and it carries the ideas of devotion and worship. So think about what Paul is saying. If we want to have a peaceful heart, we have to have a worshipful heart. That's the point that he's making. Did you know that worship is therapeutic? 
Many people do not realize this. But every time you come to worship, whether it's in private or like we have gathered here in public, you are doing therapy on your heart and on your mind. It's interesting, I've been reading recently some meetings, uh, minutes of uh, elders who would gather together and and meet with folks who were dealing with problems in their lives uh, many, many years ago. And one of the things they always did at the, as they concluded, concluded those counseling sessions was they always encouraged them to make sure they were in attendance at the services of the church that they were a part of in that town. And what did those elders know? They know, they knew that when you worship the Lord, like we are doing this morning, whether it's in private or in public, that you are doing therapy on your mind and heart. Because you're learning about God. You're learning who He is and what He's done. And as you learn that, you are keeping the guard of His peace on duty as you spend time getting to know Him. And then notice the second condition. It is trust in God. And a main way we express our faith is through prayer. The second word here in verse 6 is by supplication. That is a word that emphasizes special petition to God for the supply of needs. It is taking to the Lord every trouble and concern, believing that he is concerned about everything we're concerned about, and in one way or another, he will assist and help us. And that leads to the age-old question about prayer, why tell God what he already knows? It doesn't always seem like a fruitful exercise. Certainly we don't tell God to inform him. Certainly we don't tell him to instruct him as to how he needs to answer in our situation. But here's what happens when you tell God you learn to trust him. Prayer is faith in action. And faith in action not only draws us nearer to God, but our faith grows. And whenever faith is growing, that's a prescription for peace. And then Paul has one more word for us. Here's the third condition. Thanks to God. And we call that praise. He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The word there is an attitude of gratefulness that expresses itself to God in praise. Now, look at this. All of us, from the youngest believer to the oldest, we can do these things, and we need to do them. Time with God, worship, Trust in God, prayer. Thanks to God, praise. 
And as we live that kind of relationship with the Lord, what we discover is it helps us not to be anxious, not to be worried. Ruth Graham discovered this in the midst of her galloping anxiety at 3 a.m. in the morning. Here's what she did. She tells us that she put down her Bible and she spent time worshiping God for who he is and what he is. And then later in a book that she wrote entitled, It's My Turn, this is what she said, I began to thank God for giving me this one I love so dearly in the first place. I even thanked him for the difficult spots which had taught me so much. And you know what happened? It was as if someone turned on the light in my mind and heart and the little fears and worries that had been nibbling away in the darkness like mice and cockroaches hurriedly scurried for cover. That's when I learned. What did she learn? What did she learn? Here's what she wrote. Worship and worry cannot live in the same heart. They are mutually exclusive. A heart that is focused on God and talking to God about everything that concerns us and thanking God for all that we know is true of him and that he is constantly doing for us is a heart where worry cannot rule. And this prescription for the Philippians, for Ruth Graham, is for you and me as well. Can we read it together this morning? As those who believe the living God has intended it for us. Join me, would you? Let's read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said together, Amen. Bow with me in prayer, would you? Father, you know the worries the concerns, the anxieties 
that are in this very room. So many things in this fallen world that we cannot control, and yet they bring fear, apprehension, galloping anxiety into our lives. And we thank you that you alone are our resource. You are the God of peace. We've just come through the communion time in which we have celebrated that we are at peace with the living God. That Jesus is our peacemaker. That God is on our side. Nothing is beyond his control. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing that concerns us does not also concern him. And as we rest in his sovereignty, not understanding some of the things that befall us, we thank you that he has a plan, he has a purpose. We are safe in his hands and we can trust his loving heart. Help us today to meet those conditions that keep the guard on duty. That we might be less and less worried, troubled, and anxious. And more resting in a God who loves us so. For Jesus' sake, we ask these things. Amen.